0: Today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier Reese agrees that man is good. Good for nothing, that is.
1: The nature of man's heart is said to be the most deceitful thing. The most deceitful thing on earth is your heart and my heart. The nature of man's heart is also said to be desperately wicked, diseased, incurable. In other words, there is no remedy for your heart and mine. I need for God to give
0: me a new heart. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The excuses are endless. Codependence, enablement, temporary insanity, and the old standby, the devil made me do it. But it sure is difficult for man to admit his faults. And though the general consensus maintains that man is basically good, the assessment we find in Scripture exposes this somewhat different yet alarming simple truth. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Fortunately, God has a remedy for man's condition that promises complete transformation. And getting right to the heart of the matter with a message titled, Man's Bent is Toward Evil, is Pastor Xavier continuing a study from Jeremiah 17. Let's listen.
1: The corrupt nature of the nation of Judah had no remedy. And it's depicted through a three-fold description in our text here. First of all, the nature of Judah's sin is verse 1 through 4. Secondly, the failure of Judah's sin is in verse 5 through 8. And then the source of Judah's sin is given to us in verses 9 through 13. Let's begin here with the nature of Judah's sin in the first four verses. Notice first in verse 1. The sin of uh, Judah was deeply ingrained. Now all of us are sinners by nature, but if we continue to feed that and cultivate that, then it develops and it hardens. Have you ever poured cement? While cement's wet, you can work with it. Once it sets up, drop your trawls, walk away. Come back with a jackhammer the next day. Nothing you can do. This was the heart of Judah. Sinning had become her nature, but her perverse nature of that, enslaving the mind of her people and dominating the life of her people. Notice secondly, the failure of Judah's sin is given to us, verse 5, down to 8. Now the failure is described through a contrast. Notice first, the Lord declares in verse 5 and 6, the individual that is cursed. The curse of man is the one who trusts in man. It references to another man, another human being. Judah was trusting another man. They were looking to Egypt. As you know, in Jeremiah 2.18, God said that Egypt would be a false ally. They, they would not help them. And as we know, um, God defeated them through Babylon. Anything that is dependent on as a substitute for God or to thwart the purposes of God is the arm of flesh. You fill in the blank, whatever it is. Psalm 146:3 says, "Do not put your trust in princes, nor in the sons of man, in whom there is no hope." Psalm 20 says, "Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God." Notice, secondly, in verse seven, that the Lord declares the individual that is blessed. Here's the contrast. Of course, Judah had trusted in the arm of flesh, but now he says, "Now look at look at your failure." By contrast, here here's the blessed person. The blessed man is the one who trusts in the Lord. The reference to being blessed as being under the authority of Yahweh, under his loving care. The Lord declares the outcome, notice in verse 8, of the blessed individual. For he shall be like a tree planted in the waters, spreads out its roots by the rivers. He or she is abiding, therefore walking with God, knowing that he is the source of life. Here's the commitment of the individual. He or she is drawn By the Lord and the strength of their life comes from the Lord. The nourishment, being totally dependent in that commitment to Yahweh. Kind of like Psalm 1's, right? In Psalm 1, the contrast between the blessed man, the righteous man, and the wicked man. Right here, the contrast is between the one who is abiding and the one who has departed. Two different contrasts. So Psalm 1 contrasts the righteous and the wicked. Here the focus is on what they've decided to do. One has decided to abide. The other one has decided to depart. This is the key emphasis in this passage. Departure. The book of Hebrews warns us to not depart from the living God. Not to drift. Not to lose sight of the promises. And he will not fear when heat comes. Here's the result of that individual. He or she, through their consistent and firm commitment of being grounded, will not be moved in difficult times of testings. Now, some of you have gone through some difficult times in your life, and God has been faithful, and those things will serve you as a testimony, a pillar of stones, if you will, a monument. So when the next difficult time comes, you look back and say, God is faithful. I can trust Him. He got me through the Jordan. He got me through the Red Sea. He's wiped out the Amorites. He's wiped out the Hittites. He's knocked down the walls of Jericho. He is trustworthy. He or she is not looking outside of themselves for the victory, but to God, having the peace of God. Paul the Apostle says the same thing in Romans chapter 7 at the end. He says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Not what. Today the church is preaching what will deliver you. A 12-step program. A couple of AA uh, meetings. No. Who is a person? Paul says, Thank be God to Jesus Christ. It's a person who delivers you. Not a method. Not a system. But a person. He says, But its leaf will be green. And will not be anxious in the year of drought. His or her life will flourish even in times of difficulty. In fact... Let me tell you something. You will bear the greatest fruit in your difficulties. The best tasting fruit is the one that comes through difficulties. You never forget that fruit. And you wouldn't exchange it for all the fruit in the world. Because it's taught you so much. Their life will not be controlled by tension and worries. In the time of scarcity, but fall back on their trust and hope in God due to their personal contentment, flexibility, and gratefulness. Contentment, flexibility, and gratefulness. Ooh, great qualities to the Christian. Nor will he cease from yielding fruit. So their lives will reveal the life of God as light. And salt of the earth, not having their trust and hope in the things of the world or the world itself. Yet they live in the world and they will use things of the world, but not put their trust in the things of the world. Remember, the boat belongs in the water. It's when the water gets in the boat that the boat gets in trouble. Jesus prayed, "Father, don't take them out of the world." the disciples say, "Oh, well, get us out of here"? The Lord says, "God, leave them here. Don't take them. <laughs> he wants to use you in the world. He doesn't want you to be isolated." He wants you to be insulated. The life will increase in the things of God and the business of the kingdom, knowing they are strangers and sojourners. That's a Christian. The cursed individual is the one who chooses to not entrust their life to Christ by their own accord, being in the first Adam, Romans 5.12. You continue to walk in your sinful nature. You see nothing wrong. You don't acknowledge it. You feel you're okay. This individual denies Jesus in his death, his resurrection, and that he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession. It's a joke to him. This individual denies the existence of a personal God, that he's the one that created everything. And it's totally foolish to believe that there's absolute right or wrong, morality or ethics, by rejecting Jesus. The blessed individual is the one who chooses of their own accord to entrust their life to Jesus, seeing him as the redeemer of their life. Redeem them from the curse of the law, being in the last Adam, first Corinthians fifteen forty five. Jesus became a curse for us, Galatians three says. And so He has redeemed us from that. So I acknowledge that. So I entrust myself to Him. So now I acknowledge my own sinfulness. I acknowledge my own lostness. I acknowledge my need of forgiveness. And that He as the Savior can forgive me because He became sin for me who knew no sin. That I might become the righteousness of God in Him in 2 Corinthians 5.21. That's by the grace of God. As I hear the gospel and the gospel penetrates my heart and it convicts me and it brings me to my knees. So I bow my knee and my heart to God And begin a life of obedience as God sanctifies me, as 1 Peter 1, 2 says. As he lives in me, Galatians 2, 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ is in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is Christ in me, the hope of glory. Not me, the hope of Xavier. (laughs) I am now looking to Jesus to put my full trust in him, my hope and faith. Even as Hebrews 11.6 11.6 says, those that come to God must believe that He is and that He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And so, the failure of Judah's sin was to trust in the arm of flesh. She cursed herself. God didn't curse her. People ruin their lives. God doesn't ruin their life. And they do it because they trust in the arm of flesh. Now notice thirdly, the source of Judah's sin is given to us in verse 9 through 13. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The question is. The nature of man's heart is said to be, mark it well, the most deceitful thing above all things. The most deceitful thing on earth is your heart and my heart. The word for deceit means treacherous. It is self-serving. The nature of man's heart is also to be desperately wicked. If, if deceitful wasn't enough, desperately wicked. And the phrase means desperately sick, diseased, incurable. In other words, there is no remedy for your heart and mine. I need for God to give me a new heart. I need for him to change my nature. I can't revamp my heart. I cannot reform my heart. I have to be renewed by the Spirit and the Word of God. I have to be regenerated, born again. The people in Jeremiah's day were saying, our parents have eaten sour grapes, and our teeth are on edge. You want me to translate that for you? I'm dysfunctional. My parents' fault. Nothing new under the sun, huh? And so God told Jeremiah that each individual was responsible for their own sin in Jeremiah 31, 29, and 30. Don't be saying that thing. In fact, this proverb is identified in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, 2 as being declared by the people in captivity. And here Jeremiah says it was being said there. So all the people of Judah were trying to blame all their ills on their parents. Does that sound familiar for today? The philosophy of blaming others is nothing new. It started way back in the garden as Adam told God, It's the woman you gave me. The heart of man is deceitful, desperately. Is it incurable. It never wants to acknowledge their sin. You always want to blame somebody else. The natural question is, who can know it then? Now, man can know what is in man by virtue of being a man or a woman. And Paul says this in the New Testament. We've been around for a while. We've lived... With man in here. So we can pretty well tell and figure a guy out. Sometimes con artists, they get over on us. But for the most part, we can tell what person's coming from. Because of, especially if you're street smart, you know, you've been around. And you can kind of tell where people are. Because you know you and you're a creep too. So you know what creeps look like and act like and all that. So, you know, you can identify. So the experience of life reveals the different personalities. And some are morally good people. And they do real good things. And some evil and various degrees of evil. But the experience of life can never... As a man, allow me to know or reveal to me the thoughts, the intents, and the motives of a heart. Now, I can hear somebody say something, I can say that's wrong because of what they said. I can say that's not biblical because of what they teach. But I cannot say the motive of his heart. I don't know his motive. I don't know the intent. Only God does. Notice secondly here that the heart of man can only be known by God. That's the answer to the question. The revelation is made known by Yahweh himself. I am the Lord. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. God alone searches the heart of man and the word search means to examine. God alone knows the evil motive, the intent of the heart because he's omniscient. He knows everything. The heart again here refers to the activity of man's inner life. His emotions, intellect, and will, the whole man. But he not only examines the heart, but he says he retests the mind, which means to scrutinize, to prove the inner thoughts of man constantly. Now, you as a parent are always looking to your child to see where they're coming from so you can direct and guide them. But you, you have to wait till he says or does something before you can correct it. You know, there's preventive medicine and corrective medicine. <laughs> I'd rather practice preventive medicine, you know what I mean? I would rather they give me something to prevent something, so that they don't have to cut me and get it out of me. Well, God likes preventive correction. He likes to nip at the bud and the intent. He brings conviction to our life, so we don't allow it to flourish, but to manifest itself. The Lord knows the thoughts of man, that they are futile. Psalm ninety four eleven says, empty. David says, you understand my thoughts are far off. Psalm one thirty nine two. A far off. You know what that means in the Hebrew? From their origin. You and I do not know our thoughts until they get there. Verse 2 of 139 says, God knows them before they get there. Their origin. That's pretty good. And so he closes the psalm by saying, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my anxieties, and see if there be any wicked way within me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Here's a man who understands he's got a deceptive heart. Here's a man that understands the heart of his problem, his heart. He says, God, keep a vigil on my heart. Lord, help me out. Check me. Convict me. Direct me. Correct me. Discipline me. Guide me. Keep me on a short leash, Lord. (laughs) Notice the revelation is made by Yahweh that He only deals with an individual in accordance to His heart. This is so good. He deals with an individual according to His heart. Even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. God gives to each person according to his his or her ways, their habits, their moral character. He lets you run. Just like fishing, you let the fish run. Go for it. You don't want to turn? I'll give you over to that. God gives to each person according to the fruit of his or her doings. Their thoughts. Their words, their deeds, their acts. A person is headstrong enough to continue to go down that way. God will give them according to their heart, according to their mind. Notice, thirdly, in verse 12 and 13, the heart of man is only safe in the hands of God. Judah had failed to rely on the true sanctuary. A glorious high throne from beginning is the place of our sanctuary, O Lord, the hope of Israel. The glorious throne of Yahweh had been available to them from the beginning as a place of their only refuge. They had sinned against light and privilege. Yahweh had been their hope for Israel means governed by God. Jacob means heel catcher. Want to depend on our own strength. Said, I'm going to change your name. What is it? Israel. Governed by God. Judas told the consequences of, of her choices. These are reaping and sowing. Not God just punishing. All who forsake you shall be ashamed. That's the first thing. Their lack of wisdom would be revealed. The regret of losing what they once had. Would be acknowledged by their own choice in captivity. Those who depart from Yahweh shall be written in the earth. That's the second thing. The significance of these names means that they would soon disappear. When you write in, in the in the dirt. When you come back tomorrow. The wind's probably blown them away. People have stepped on it. So the idea is you're going to disappear from my mind. You won't be in my mind any longer. Judah is also told the sin of her folly. Because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. Judah had left Yahweh by her own choice. This is very, very clear over and over and over again. The departure from Yahweh came by the enticement of another rival. The giving of oneself to a rival is the act of treachery. To one's master. In this case one's husband. Rivals are always around us people. We get to choose whether we will be faithful. Or we will be treacherous. The choice is ours. Judah had chosen to drink out of broken cisterns. It says. Indirectly. Though this is not mentioned directly here. The context goes back to chapter 2. Where their member Yahweh said, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So here's living waters. They're fresh. They're cool. They're, they're, they're clean. They're, they're refreshing. No contamination. Quench your thirst. Give you vitality. And they forsook those. And they carved themselves out. These cisterns out of the limestone. And yo, they would be filled with water in the rainy seasons. They would have moths and polywogs and all kinds of stuff in them. And some of them were cracked and you didn't know until after they were filled and the water would lose out. What a contrast. She had chosen to drink out of these dirty, cracked cisterns rather than the living water that had been given to her. What a picture of today of so many. This was one of the two evils that the people were guilty of. Jesus made it clear that the heart of man is the basic problem, not all the other things that man is constantly pointing to, to blame the source of their evil. He says it's the heart that all these things come from: adultery, fornication, evil thoughts, everything else, in Matthew 19:15. The heart's the problem. the heart. It's not the environment. It's not the lack of education. Though some of these things may add to it, but the problem is the heart. The problem of man is his sinful nature. His wicked heart is deceptive. Incurably wicked. God is the one who search and tests the mind as well as the heart. Hebrews 4.13, all things are open and naked with Him we have to do with. Revelation one four. the eye is the penetrating eyes of God through fire, seeing everything. Nothing escapes Him. And so the place of safety is to live abundantly is in Christ. John fifteen, abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Abide. The manner in which you abide is by walking in the Spirit. Ephesians five eighteen continually. Prophesied in John 3, 38 and 39. Out of your innermost being shall gush torrents of living water. And this he spoke of the Holy Spirit, which was not given yet, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Walking in the Spirit that I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The source of Judah's sin was her deceptive heart. That's the problem. And so the sin of Judah is depicted in the threefold description. The nature of Judah's sin was deeply ingrained. The failure of Judah's sin was to trust in the arm of flesh. And the source of Judah's sin, her deceptive heart. Man, three things that I need to pay attention to. Three good warnings for the day that we're living in. As we live in a very sinful nation, a very deceived nation, even as Judah to us in that day. May God give us wisdom from above
0: and welcome in obedience. Pastor Xavier Reese, revealing the deceptive heart of man and the transformed life we find in Christ from our study of Jeremiah chapter 17. And just before we close, let me mention that copies of today's Simple truth study titled Man's Bent is Toward Evil are available on CD, as always, for only $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is simply, Man's Bent is Toward Evil. Or just mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. and then be back for more Simple Truths right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com